Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Well, it's great to be with you here this morning. How's everyone having a good time so far? I hope not to disappoint. Oh, I set the timer here and I set it for, okay, one hour, 30 minutes. That's not right, is it? Right, two hours, 30 minutes. Okay, there we go. We're good to go. That's a little bit scary right there for a second for everybody. Hey, uh, what a great time we had at the Presence Conference. Can I just encourage you, uh, as you've already been encouraged today, that if you've never been to uh, one of the larger gatherings, uh, especially the big conferences that, we, that C3 put on, look, we don't put them on just because it's a, it's a good time. Uh, we like getting together. If you've been around C3 for any amount of time, you know we like to party, like it's 1999 all the time. And uh, that's just how we roll. But I tell you, we love to come together and experience God together. And it's just great to get together with other like-minded people. Uh, who knows that when you, when you, that, that, uh, uh, that when you gather, the, 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 the vital thing about the church is, and the gathering of believers, why it's so imperative and so important for each one of us, is because there's power in unity. And I can tell you right now, as we gather together here this morning, um, that there is power that is unleashed because we have gathered. Uh, there's power in the heavenlies. There is power in your faith. There's a power that happens when, when people unite. The Bible says one can put a thousand a flight, two can put not two thousand, but ten thousand. There's a, there's a magnifold increase. There is a, a logarithmic process that takes place that, that causes a greater strength to be released. And that's what we get to do when we come together. Now, now if, if that's true for one and two, how is it for ten, for a for hundred, for ten thousand as we gather together? The power is unleashed and and often we are so um, bound to just what each as individuals can bring to the table we fail to see that what happens when we unite with others you know your my, my church hear this from me all the time your life was not designed by God for you it was designed for somebody else and and my life wasn't designed for me it was designed for you your life wasn't designed for you it was designed for me my my world my destiny is fulfilled in your life and your destiny is fulfilled in my life therefore for us to be unified and gather to, come on, this is good preaching here. If for us to gather together is, ha, ha, has a power at work. It's actually the discovery of your destiny to be in relationship with other people. And for you to, to, to want to, to uh, narrow what God wants to do through your life just to your little world, sorry. You know, the life of Christ was, is fulfilled in your life. Jesus came, bled and died, not for his own sake, Come on. Oh, man, we're in trouble already. This is not in the notes. Okay, are you with me this morning that, it's, that, that, that he came and died not for his own sake, but for your sake? Who God was calling him to be in that moment, it was for you. Who God's calling you to be in this moment is for somebody else. Maybe they're right here. Maybe they're in, in, in your workplace. Maybe they're in your family. Maybe they're in your school. Wherever they are, that's, that is who God is calling you to be. That's what your life is for. Leave every environment that you find yourself in better than when you found it. That's the Great Commission right there. Paraphrase Darren Elliott. Hashtag awesome. All right, here we go. Uh, hey, can I just thank you, uh, Christian Melissa. These, you have great pastors, can I tell you? And uh, I, I love these guys. They are, they are 
doing something amazing here. We started our church in Vancouver just one year before you guys started your church here. And so we're on a journey, we're on parallel journeys. So I feel the joys and I feel the pains. I, I know exactly where you're at and exactly how it feels. And can I tell you that, that your pastors need your love? They don't need your opinions. They don't. They need your love. They need your encouragement. You know, they're on, they're on, the, they're on the cutting edge. And the last thing you want them is to go dull by your hand. You don't sharpen somebody with negativity. You sharpen them with blessing. You sharpen them with encouragement. Aren't you glad that God doesn't sharpen you with the truth? Just a thought. Anyway, we're, well, I'm, I'm meant to be introducing a series and we're, we're in big trouble already. All right. Um, hallelujah. Uh, hey, I want to just also say welcome to my mum and dad here, here, uh, Ken and Irene. I think they didn't get to hear me preach very much, so it's, uh, it's always fun to preach to your parents. It's the scary as hell. I'm not even going to lie to you. It's, uh, it's crazy. Um, and uh, for Randy, who's with me, who is, well, he is in charge of all, we call first impressions, all of our greeters, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's just amazing. Who knows what's going to happen at that tomorrow at church. And uh, I was, I was recorded a video this morning to my church telling them I was already in the future and uh, was just sending blessings to them, which is the truth. I am. I'm a time traveler as we speak. So awesome stuff. Hey, who's got a Bible here this morning? Uh, always good, just a thought, bringing the Bible to church. But anyway, First uh, Corinthians, oh, you know what? I better say, I, I am actually married. The, I, I didn't get this just cheapy, just to make an impression. Uh, married for 20 years. I know right now all you are thinking, that's incredible, he looks so young. But uh, actually, no, married, I, I mean, I was a teen bride, it was a scandal, all that kind of, I'm sorry, but no, married for uh, 20 years, have an 18-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter, and uh, so yes, I'm in the thick of it. It's awesome. No, they are amazing children serving God. Uh, my, my son uh, is a drummer in our church band. He also does all the multimedia stuff uh, like, like that. Uh, he makes things look cool, makes his dad look good. Um, who knows it's good when the son makes the father look good? That's always a plus, isn't it, right? And uh, my daughter is absolutely stunning, and uh, she sings on our worship team. Uh, just we're in it together as a family. And, uh, you know, don't, see, don't ever see your children as a something, you know, my parents, uh, they were just incredible. They always involved my brother and I in everything that we did. It was, never, it was never their world and us being dragged along or our world and them being dragged along. It was our world. And so everything we did in, in our lives, we were missionaries in Papua New Guinea for many years. We also were involved in the local church at, 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 a, at a high level, uh, and all growing up. And so it was always what we did together as a family. You know, if you're on a service team here at church, man, I feel like I'm doing a leadership lesson. Anyway, here we go. Uh, if you're on a team, join a team and take your kids with you. If you're on the usher, ushers or you're, take your children with you. Let them be a part of the team. Give them a job. Give them a job. Nothing like ownership is there. My son, Dakota, uh, Bree had him. Um, and then the next weekend, she was leading worship. We were in a very large church in, in Western Australia at the time. She led worship the next weekend after giving birth. And we took our son in, in the rehearsal. We placed him on the stage in the, in the porter crib. And then for the first six months of his life, every Sunday was in the porter crib 
on the stage as we rehearsed. So he really didn't have a chance at that point. But, uh, but, the, but the truth is, is that we, we do it together, okay? It's not what we do. It's, it, it's not what I do. It's not my ministry. It's our family. And the thing, the thing is I love about Christian Melissa is they will model that for you. Their children are involved at every level, and uh, yours should be as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, here we go. Oh. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mounds, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, it's not proud, does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there's prophecies, they will cease, where there are tongues, they'll be stilled, where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Let me just say before we move on through there, that's not talking about now, that's talking about the end. Here comes the context right now. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, has completeness come? No, it has not. So, that, so how we know that those things, it's not talking about there's no tongues now, there's no healings now, there's no any of that now. It's being very clear what the context is, is when completion comes, it's when Jesus returns, all that stuff is no longer necessary, which is obvious, right? Uh, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, I smelt like a child, I felt like a child, and when I came a man, I stopped smelling like a child, hopefully, and I put away childish things behind me, for now we see only reflection in the mirror, then we shall see face to face, again, clear, the context, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even if I am fully known. Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Let me make some statements to kind of set us up for this journey together over these three things over the next few weeks. Faith is about your future. Faith is about your future. Hope is the anchor for your past. Love is right now. Love is now. The reason that love is the greatest is because love is now. Faith is in front of you, hope is behind you, love is beside you. Hope is what you hold on to. Faith is what propels you forward. Love is the mechanism by which God establishes his purposes upon the earth. Hope is the who, faith is the what, love is the how. Hope is in Jesus, faith is in God, and love is by the Holy Spirit. Love is the, is the greatest only because it is the now thing. It is the now, the Holy Spirit is the now presence of God. I just finished a sermon series on this. I can't, if I start talking about this, we were in deep trouble. But, but, but the Holy Spirit is the now presence of God. Jesus said before he ascended that he will send one that is greater than he to equip and enable to do the things that God is calling you to do. God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus paid the price for you and I to be reestablished in that connection so that relationship could function as originally designed. But the Holy Spirit was then sent to empower us, enable us. The Holy Spirit is the now presence of God. And that's why so many believers are struggling in their world is because they don't recognize the Holy Spirit being the now presence of God. 
The Holy Spirit, I, I call him the black sheep of the Trinity. Right? You, you know of him, but you don't really know what he does. How does he work? We understand God is the creator, Father. We understand that. We understand Jesus and his life and his death and the significance of that are obviously pivotal in everything. But the Holy Spirit is the now presence of the God. And where does the Holy Spirit dwell? He's not out there. He's in here. So you and I are carriers of the now presence of God. I mean, flipping, we're in trouble. All right, blow my, blow, blowing minds here this morning because th this is the reality. So why is love the greatest? Is because love is now. Love is now. And because love is on you, God can't love for you. He can love through you, but it requires your involvement. You didn't require your involvement to, for God to create the heavens and the earth. Didn't create, need your involvement for Jesus to die on the cross for your sin. But it requires your involvement for the love of God to be manifest on the earth. It just does. And so that's why love is such a, a pivotal piece here. Interestingly enough, if we, we haven't got time to do it this morning, but if we do a Bible study in Galatians 5, it's the nine fruits of the Spirit, right? And interestingly, there are nine um, gifts of the Spirit, and there's nine fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. Haven't got time, but do a Bible study. It's fascinating. But here's the thing is if we, we look back and compare these, these Corinthian attributes of love and we compare them to, to the fruit of the Spirit, I, I did it, I, I think I did it. Is it, have we got that slide? There we go. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then we have the, what love is. Love is patient, kind, self-control. Does it look similar to you? It looks very similar to me. It looks really similar to me. I, I would surmise from this that the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. You can't be walking in the Spirit without love emanating from you. And love is the now presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit at work in you. All right, yeah, okay, are we good? But, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hope. Okay, that's my subject matter this morning. So, all right, of which we have 26 minutes to get there. All right, are you, are you, are you with me this morning? So we're teeing it up. Whoever is next is going to launch from there. All right, here we go. Hope is, my, is what I was given to speak about. So let's talk about it. Hope. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. I'm speaking fast. I'm sorry. Just get over it. Watch it later if you need to. Hebrews 6, 16 to 20. This is kind of such a key pivotal scripture to understanding what hope is. Hope, is, hope and faith sometimes in our minds get intertwined and it's hard to, what's hope, what's faith? I want to try to bridge the gap, heal the confusion so that we can understand fully what is, why, why these things are so important in our lives. Hebrews 6, 16 to 20. People swear by someone greater than themselves and that oath confirms what is said and put an end to all argument. Who likes the end to all arguments? Good thing. Okay, because God wants to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to his heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. We are his heirs. God's confirming it with an oath. What is it? God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we would have fled to take hold of the hope set before us that we may be greatly encouraged. Ready to be encouraged? Here it comes. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have a hope that is an anchor. It is firm and secure. Firm 
and secure. There's nothing worse than trying to anchor yourself to something that's not firm and secure. The anchor that we have, we anchor to something firm and secure. Now, it's interesting, the devil, the Bible says, devil comes to rob, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came, you have life, life more abundantly. We've all heard that scripture before. The devil comes against you. The reason why hope is so pivotal in our lives is because the devil is not a time bandit. He cannot travel in time. He does not know the future. All the devil knows is what's happening right now in your world and what's happened in your past. And the re- this is why hope is such a, the, the Bible tells us that we have found our hope in Christ, but the, what the devil wants to do is he, he can only really attack you at the point of your now or the point of your past. The point of your past is, is hope, right? The hope that you have found in Christ. When, when, when the devil came against uh, um, Adam, he said, uh, did God not say? He, he, he questioned the past. Is it what God had already established? He said, hey, let's put, put some doubt on that. Okay, when, when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he started quoting scripture to Jesus, trying to mess up the ideas that God was establishing, trying to bring confusion. And that's how the devil works in your life. The, the devil rarely attacks you at your point of faith. He attacks you at your point of your hope because your hope is the anchor. It, it, is, it is the rock that you stand on to, to propel. See, you don't have to lose your vision, but if you have no hope, you're, you're in big trouble. And so that's what the devil does. He, he always goes, and he says, it's, it's, it's about who God is in you and what God has promised you or, the, or who you are, your mistakes, your, your failures. Or, or, and, and, and that's how the devil works. He's always questioning you about you or questioning you about, is God really? That's, that, the devil's attacking your hope. Your hope. But we all know that our hope is found in Jesus, Right? That our hope is in Him. But if our hope is in Jesus, then our hope is in a person. It's in the person, Jesus. And as we know that every relationship that exists between people, and, and as it is in our relationship with people, so it too it is in our relationship with God. Relationships can be fragile things, right? There are things that can easily break relationships down. And, and really what I'm, I'm about to talk about with you is really what this message is all about about what is, the, what is the, the single thing, the glue that holds relationships together. Because a relationship with Jesus is just like a relationship with each one of us. Our relationship to our hope, the person Jesus, has to be shored up. It has to be strong. And what's the thing, the single thing, the pivotal aspect of every relationship, the one thing that can, that can cause a relationship to be highly successful or a relationship to fail miserably. There's one word, there's one attribute that needs to be shored up and secure. It's trust. Trust. In the absence of trust, every relationship fails. In the presence of trust, relationships have a great opportunity to, to succeed. Trust is everything. Trust is everything. For us to have an assured hope, we have to have trust. We have to have trust. Because hope is found in relationship with Jesus. Trust is a great word. It's both a noun and a verb. It's both something that you do and something that you have. Okay? Trust. So, in the time we have remaining here, are you doing all right? Because I'm kind of, I'm blasting away here, okay? I want to talk about three things that determine in our relationship with Jesus 
and in our relationship with one another that enable us, allow us and enable us to have trust. There's three things that have to be present in any relationship for trust to exist. Here they come. Number one, for trust to exist between two people, there has to be the means. There has to be the capacity to do the thing that you're going to do, right? There has to be the means, the ability. There has to be the will, that is the character, to actually do the things that you say that you're going to do. And then there's also not just the ability or the will, but then there's also the desire. There has to be a desire for. You can have, you can have two out of the three, but if you don't have all three, then there is something that will pull it all down. You can have the ability, you can have the will, but if you don't have the desire, trust doesn't exist. You can have the, you can have the will and the desire, but if you don't have the ability, then it doesn't matter. Here we go. Let's deal with number one, the ability. God has the ability. He has the means. Now, if I was to take a survey today of every person here and say, is God able, whatever you're facing right now, whatever, whatever difficulty you're facing, whatever struggle you, or whatever struggle you've ever seen in the world, and I said, is God able? I would be pretty sure that all of us would give a 100% resounding, yes, he is able. We would say, God is able. The problem that we have isn't that we don't believe that God is able, it's that we underestimate how able he is. The problem is, is that we think that our, whilst our problems are big, that whilst God is bigger than our problems, he's only just bigger than our problems. Let me help you out here. If I, if I, need, a, if I need $100 and I go to Christian and say, Christian, can I have $100? He has, if he has $101, is he able? Okay, I need 100, he's got 101, he is able, right? But is my confidence high or low that when I go to him, knowing that he has $101, is my confidence high or low that I, I will get the 100? Is it high or low? It's definitely low, okay? It's definitely low. Because he, whilst he's able, he's only just able. Now, if Christian had $10 million and I needed $100, and I went to Christian and I said, Christian, I need $100. Is my confidence high or low? It's now high. The need hasn't changed. See, you don't need a smaller problem. You just need a bigger God. You, you, don't need a, you don't need your problems to shrink away. You just need to have faith in God. The Bible, David says, magnify the Lord. What does that mean? That means to make him bigger. To make God bigger. And it's funny, we need to bring back some old songs or someone needs to write some new songs that talk about this idea because it's so pivotal to your faith. We have this amazing capacity as human beings to shrink God down to just slightly bigger than the size of our problem. And then our confidence is low because we've magnified our problem and minimized our God. We need to maximize our God and minimize our problem. Our God isn't just able. No, he's exceedingly abundantly able. Our God can't just do it. No, it's just a piece of cake for him to take care of that. Your confidence is high when you have a revelation of a big God. We don't need smaller problems, folks. We just need bigger God. Okay, so that's why the devil... He comes against your hope, doesn't he? He comes to, to, to make, well, it, it, what, what's God really, I mean, and this is what, you know, I hate, I mean, I know that's a strong word, but I dislike immensely, let's say that, I dislike immensely books about um, spiritual warfare in, that are in, packaged in um, 
in, a, in fiction. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, books that are written, uh, or sorry, nonfiction. They're, they're books that are written like as a, as a story about, and they involve the battle between good and evil, God and the devil. Because to have a good story, you have to have a big conflict, right? And for a good story to have a good conflict, there has to be a, a level of equality between the good and the evil, right? There has to be, for it to be the, you know, so whenever the people write books about, you know, the battle between good and evil and spiritual warfare, they always portray the devil as being way stronger than what he is and God just being, just clinging, just, oh, this is like, it's so, it's just, he just can overwhelm. Show me that in the Bible. There's no just overwhelming. There's people walking around buildings, walls falling down. There's big oceans need to be crossed, seas parting. There's needing food from heaven, oh, feeding 5,000, you know, just need a couple. There's no just doing anything. There's no just making it. There's no, that's not God. See, our hope has to be in God's ability. And, and, and so you can trust him if you see him for who he really is. God isn't just bigger than your problems. He's not just, he's not looking at your problems and going, didn't see that coming. <sighs> do you have, okay, so what are we going to do here? Um, this could tax all our angelic resources right now. Uh, do we really want to do that? Because uh, if, we, if we help this situation out, what are we going to do over here? No. God has the capacity, Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably. That's not measurably big, that's immeasurable. That's like you can't measure it, okay? <laughs> immeasurably more than we can, I'm just, it's in the Greek, okay? Uh, all that we can ask, imagine according to his power that's at work. Where is it at work? In us, in us. Matthew 19.26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. God has the means. Say, God has the means. He has the means. You can trust him because he has the means. Okay? He's not going to come up short. But it needs more than just the means. God needs to have the will. That is that when he says he's going to do something, he's actually going to follow through and actually do it. And in, in human relationships, this is a huge thing because you can have the ability to do something, but then you fail to do it. Most marriages come unglued at the point of will, not the point of ability. And the problem is, is that for many of us, we put our dysfunctional relationships, perhaps with our, with, our, with our family of origin or with relationships that we've had on this earth, and we put, plop those onto God. We say, well, these people, I couldn't trust them to do the things that they said they were going to do. How can I trust God that he will do the things that he says he's going to do? But God is faithful. He always does what he says he's going to do. You don't have to worry that God isn't going to come through for you and do what he said he's going to do. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Goes on into verse 8, says, The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. How, do you, how would you be discouraged? If, because you don't know that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. It's an act of will. So God has the means and he has the will. He's faithful. 
every single time. But you know what? You can have the means and you can have the will, but if you're wondering whether God really wants to, I mean, is he really for me or, I mean, how does he look at me? Is he, is he for me because of what I'm doing for him? Is it an obligation thing? Desire is big. Desire is huge. You can have the capacity, you can have the will, but with no desire, you're always second guessing. Is God gonna do this? Is he not gonna do it? I, I don't know because I'm not sure. Is he for me today or is he against me? What is his character like? He has the desire. The thing is, is that God has the desire. He has the want. Matthew chapter seven. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Does this sound, is there any level of withholding here? Not so far. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And he who knocks the door will be open. There is no withholding here. Verse nine, which of you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See, God just doesn't have the means. God just doesn't have the will. He has the desire. He has the desire. He is for you. He wants the very best for you. In fact, the Bible says that the glory of the Father is in the Son. God takes delight in your success. God takes delight in your victory. God takes delight in your overcoming. That's what God's, I mean, that's everything what he's all about. God doesn't set you up to fail. God is continually trying to resurrect your situation from your own ridiculousness. He is. The redeeming power of, of Jesus wasn't just for your eternity, it was for your ridiculous in this earth. It was. Come on. We're all ridiculous. Come on. Because, you know, I've, di I've discovered that maturity is merely the art of hiding one's ridiculousness. Some of us are just better than hiding it than others, but we're all ridiculous. We all think ridiculous thoughts. We all do ridiculous things and God specializes in taking your ridiculousness and making something amazing out of it. Not, not forcing you to live in the consequence of your own destructive ridiculousness, but rather saying, you know what? Let's, let's learn something from this and then let's, let's, let's turn this around and do something beautiful with it. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you're weak, he is strong, that it's the synergy of, of our lives intertwined with the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. The now presence of God activated inside of you. It's not about who you, how awesome you are, it's just about you saying, Holy Spirit, have your way. It's about saying, God, do what you're gonna do through my life. And out of that, our desire to, to 
unencumber ourselves from our own ridiculousness is the thing that causes us to grow and be a little less ridiculous tomorrow than we were yesterday. But you're going to die ridiculous. Just end it. Just embrace it. It's true. The Bible says that your very best is as filthy rags, so deal with it. Your best day still sucks in the eyes of God. Like it still doesn't measure up. It still doesn't make it. Now, I'm not saying shoot for good. I'm just saying realize that our part in the equation is the small bit. You know, if, if now, your pastor, Christian, he is a, he's a good-looking man. He's a strong, robust, fit. You know, if I was to have a man crush, but have a beautiful wife, no problems there. Okay. We went down and we had breakfast this, down at the Noosa River today. It's for, very awesome. And I can tell that Christian is a very athletic man, that he is, that, 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 that he is strong and buff in many ways. But, but here's the thing is if we were to, if we were to have a competition and, uh, and we were to stand on the jetty there and, and the goal of, our, of what we were doing there is we're going to see if we, if we could jump the Noosa River. And so Christian's going to go first, and he, 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 he runs down the end of the jetty, and he, he jumps. And then I run down the end of the jetty, and I jump. Now, he is guaranteed to go further than me. It's just a, it's a known fact. It's just a given, because he is handsome, he is strong, he is buff, okay? And, and he's young, whereas I am old, okay? And so, now here's what we do on earth. I look and I go, I'm a, such a failure. Look, Christian went so much further than I did. Wow, look. But truly in light of the distance needed to succeed, we both didn't even make a dent. We both didn't even come close. And that's what you and I, as we, it, 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 that's why grace is such a pivotal thing, because grace creates the bridge that cannot be, that cannot be. I mean, so so while we, whilst we're busy looking at each other saying, oh, they're awesome and I'm, I'm terrible, or God can move through them, it's really just, think about it like that. Another way I think about it all the time, it's like, you know, I've, I've got a brand new puppy, his name's Buddy, he's a Sheltie, I know, oh, everyone loves a puppy, right? Uh, and... Uh, Here's the thing is that Buddy is a, is a puppy, he's awesome. And, uh, but who's ever seen those really smart dogs? You know what I'm talking about? Like the ones that like do everything the owner says. You know those ones? And they, they do all the tricks. And, you, and, and when you see them, you're just so jealous. You're like, man, I wish I could have a dog like that. I wish my dog could be like that. There's a big difference between a dumb dog and a smart dog, right? There's a big difference. Big difference. And whilst there is a huge difference between a smart dog and a dumb dog compared to a human being, it's just a whole nother, you know, because who knows that even a smart dog will still take that position in public. It will. It will still display its... The fact that it isn't, isn't even anywhere near. So when we're so busy comparing ourselves to one another, saying, oh God, what's God can, he can do that for him, but he can't do that for me. God's looking and saying, what are you talking about? You're both ridiculous anyway. That's why I had to send Jesus. So that when I look at you, I don't see you anymore. 
I don't see your sin. I don't see your ridiculousness. I just see Jesus. And because that's what I see, then all power on heaven and earth is on your side. God doesn't just have the capacity. He doesn't just have the will. He has the desire also. He has all three in spades. And so for you and I, as we interact in our, in our lives, in our marriages, those are the three things that we need to shore up. If you're a husband this morning, then if you want to, to have a, a, a relationship of, of strength, then this is what you do. You have to have the capacity. You have to do the things that you say that you're going to do. You have to desire your wife. These are, these are, you put these things in place, and all of a sudden, you have great relationships. Okay. So, let's wrap it up. God has the means, He has the will, and He has the want. He has all these things. So we can trust him. Remember, hope is a relationship. It's Jesus. Our hope is Jesus. If we can trust God, then our hope is assured. Our hope is assured. Our hope is assured. And when the devil comes and tries to, tries to convince you that your circumstances are more powerful than your God. You go, no, it's not. Because my God has the means. Not just sort of, not just kind of, not just, just, just enough, but overwhelmingly. He has the desire. And he has the will. He will do what he says he will do. Philippians chapter four, we'll just, I'll just leave you with this idea. Philippians four verses Six and seven says, be anxious for nothing. Now, right, that just sounds ridiculous, right? Be anxious for nothing. I mean, what is that? How, how can we be anxious for nothing? But in everything by prayer and supplication or petition, other translations say, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. Just listen to me here for a minute. Just a final thought to just hold on to. Does anybody here feel anxious about anything this morning? I do. Is there anything, anybody here this morning, there's things going on in your life in which you have a level of anxiety over? Can I tell you this, that anxiety is nothing more than misplaced hope. Anxiety is nothing more than misplaced hope. You're anxious because you're putting your hope in the wrong thing. You're anxious because you're putting your hope in the wrong person. You're anxious because you are not putting your hope where all hope belongs, and that is in Jesus. See, the Bible says be anxious for nothing, not because you're not going to go through trials and circumstances and have funky things happening in your world. No, it says be anxious for nothing because the thing that your hope is anchored to is immovable. It's unshakable. It never changes, okay? Anxiety is nothing more than misplaced hope. When you're feeling anxious, don't think about what needs to change in your circumstance for that anxiety to go away. Think about what it is you're placing your hope in and you will discover every single time that you've put your hope in the wrong thing. Maybe you put your hope in yourself. Maybe you put your hope in your government, or maybe you put your hope in a, in a person, or maybe you put your hope in your boss and your job. Maybe, maybe you put your hope in all kinds of things. But there's only one thing that we need to put our hope in, the anchor 
of our soul. And that is Jesus. That's Jesus. Now the good news is, is that our eternity, our life beyond this life is anchored to Him also. Our eternal destination is secure because of the hope we have in Christ. Why? Because God had the means, He had an ability to do something that we couldn't do. Because He had the will to make the tough decisions and do something that nobody else could do. And He has such a love, such a heart for, such a desire for you and I that He was willing to make that call. And He sent the hope of glory, Jesus, for you and I to restore us into right standing with God. This morning, I wanna give you an opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. Perhaps, perhaps you've never done this before. Perhaps you've heard of Jesus, you've been around church perhaps, but you've never invited Jesus into your heart and actually said, I am going to choose today to find my hope in Him. If, that, if that's you today, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. You have to leave here not having that understanding and that revelation. Perhaps you have done that before and perhaps you've kind of invited Jesus into your heart, made him your hope, but then something else has come into your world that sidetracked you and taken you away. Today, I wanna tell you that you don't have to keep going in that direction, but you can come back to him. The great thing about Jesus is that while you're walking and thinking that you were getting further from him, he was following you the whole time. And all you need to do is just turn around and he's right there. So today, if you wanna give your life to Jesus for the first time, or if you wanna come back to Him, or perhaps you've said a prayer before, you've asked Jesus into my life, but there's this uncertainty that keeps arising in you, a nagging feeling, oh, I'm unsure, Have I, am I really saved? Am I, do I really know Jesus? Today, you can leave this place knowing with 100% certainty and assurance that if you were to die tonight, that you would spend eternity in glory. So with everybody's eyes closed and head bowed, I wanna give you an opportunity today. If you fall into any one of those three categories, you say, Darren, I wanna give my life to Jesus for the first time. Or you say, Darren, I, I, I need to come back to Him. Or you're gonna say, Darren, I just need an assurance in my heart, a confirmation, a knowing that my eternal destiny is secure. If you uh, fit into any one of those categories today, I want you to write, just right now, very quickly, just raise up your hand and say, Darren, that's me. If that's you this morning, just raise up your hand very quickly. I'll see it and I'll ask you to put it down. Is there anybody here that just wants to, wants to say yes to Jesus, wants a confirmation in their life, wants an affirming? Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Is there anybody else here today? There's two people who have put up their hand. Is there anybody else here that wants to say yes to Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, we're all gonna stand right now. Let's all stand right now. We're gonna pray together a prayer and invite Jesus into our life. Or, or you, if you put up your hand, the good news is you're surrounded by many that have. So you don't have to be worried. Don't have to think, and, and guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna do it together right now. We're gonna pray. I'm gonna say a line and you repeat it after me. Are you ready? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me, for paying the price for my sin. I'm sorry, forgive me for what I've done wrong and the sin that I've committed. I invite you into my heart today 
and I choose to live for you now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come give the Lord a hand right now. It's that easy. And can I tell you, folks, that whenever, if you're feeling anything in your heart, any, any time where you feel like, oh, I'm un- you're uncertain of your salvation, it's that simple. Last thing we're going to do before we finish. Are you okay? Last thing. Okay. I know that many of us here are going through stuff. And when I talked about anxiety, I could just tell immediately. It's like, you know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about because I feel anxious all the time. Okay. But I want to pray for you this morning. You've, you've, all of us here today, by the decision that we just made then and by decisions you've made in the past, we've put our hope in Jesus in terms of our eternity. But my question to you right now is how are you putting your hope in Him for tomorrow? And I know some of you are facing really destructive and crippling situations and circumstances for which you don't know the answer to. But the Bible doesn't talk about a peace that preserves your understanding, a peace in which you need to understand. It talks about the peace that passes understanding. That is the peace that you can feel in God, that lifting of that anxiety, not because you understand how it's all gonna work out, but because you have put Jesus where he belongs. He is your hope. He is your anchor. And so right now, I wanna invite you, if there is anxiety, maybe you wake up in the morning and your mind is already racing, and that's anxiety. Maybe there are things that you're struggling with. I wanna pray for you this morning. And so if you are struggling with anxiety and you need an injection of hope in your world, I wanna pray for you this morning. I wanna invite you just to take a a moment and just step out from where you are and come down the front here. I just wanna pray for you. Nothing mystical, nothing spooky. And look, the truth is, thank you, ma'am, just come on down. The, The reality is, is I know pretty much that nearly everybody here should be here because it's, this is a reality for all of us. It's a reality for all of us. So why don't you just do the, 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 just take the courage and just say, I'm gonna step out. I'm just gonna say, hey, and just receive. All you're doing really by stepping out here today is saying, I'm gonna, I receive that word this morning. I receive that word. Thank you, ladies. Ladies leading the way again. Come on, I know there's more of you, but we don't have time. So here we go. You can receive it right from where you are anyway. Come on, just lift your hands, everybody, in this place. Lift your hands. Father, we thank you, God, that you are our hope. (laughs) You are our hope. Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray that you would minister life into each one of these ladies here in Jesus' name. Lord, that they would sense the peace that passes all understanding that it would rest and that it would remain with them in Jesus' name. That as they go through their day and as these feelings come upon them, Lord, that you would give them the strength of courage to place their hope in you, the only firm foundation, the only rock in which we stand, the only anchor for our soul in Jesus' name. Hope and peace in the name of Jesus and everybody here in this congregation. Lord, bless them in the name of Jesus. And everybody in this place said, amen. Come on, give these ladies a hand. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.